Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Beyond the Valley. Hello and welcome to another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. I'm Arjun Kapoor coming to you from Guangzhou, China. And after her debut on the podcast a few episodes ago, I brought back Sylvia Amaro, one of our reporters based in London. Sylvia, welcome back. How are you? Hi, Arjun. I'm good. Very excited to be here. Thanks for having me again. Now, Sylvia watches the developments in Europe very closely from the politics to technology policy. And today we're going to be talking about a major European initiative in cloud computing and data, Gaia X. We will be bringing you an interview with one of the key leaders of that project. But let's just break it down for you and set the scene. Sylvia, help me out here. What's the context for this project? Right. So Europe has been grappling over the past few years with the fact that it doesn't really have major technology firms at least not on the scale of, say, Google or Facebook. But it has also been concerned about the growth of these companies and what it means for European citizens' data. And in this context, you remember the EU bringing in a major legislation such as the General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, which aims to give users more control over their own data. And so the EU is still very concerned about the growing power of tech companies from the United States and China. And when it comes to cloud services, the EU is also worried about a small number of large players dominating the market and again, the impact that that could have on EU citizens' data. And so in a white paper, the GAIA-X project does admit that Europe's digital infrastructure currently lies in the hands of a small number of major non-European corporations. It says that Europe has no notable operating system developers, no relevant search engines, no global social network, and no competitive cloud infrastructure. And it also says that there is a risk of European data being stored outside of Europe or on servers in Europe that belong to non-European companies and will be subject to a so-called lock-in. And so this is where the Gaia-X project comes in as an attempt to address all of these concerns, Arjun. So Gaia-X aims to be a solution to this. It's a project that was started by France and Germany that aims to be, and I quote, the next generation of data infrastructure for Europe, a secure, federated system that meets the highest standards of digital sovereignty while promoting innovation. What that means in practice is Europe is trying to bring a number of providers in technology from cloud companies to telecoms companies and those that play in the so-called edge computing space. Quick note on that, edge computing refers to computing processes that happen close to the data source. It is seen as a key part of future technologies like autonomous cars, for example. Now, the GaiaRx project is trying to create a set of common standards and a marketplace model. So there'll be a lot of companies selling various services. A business can decide what solutions they require and therefore not depend on a single company like an Amazon or a Microsoft. The project will build in data sovereignty, i.e. Users should be able to decide where their data goes and who has access and for what purposes. It is supposed to create a decentralized approach to data and one that doesn't create what the project calls digital oligopolies. 
And Arjun, it's important to note as well that the Gaia-X project will allow major US and Chinese companies to take part. So it's not a rival to these companies, but instead it's trying to get these companies, all of these big players, to play by the EU's rules. That is a short introduction, but let's talk a bit more with someone involved in the project. We had a chance to catch up with Marco Alexander Breit, who works in the German Ministry of Economic Affairs and Energy and is the head of the Gaia-X project there. We had a chance to talk to him about the project and some of the challenges ahead. Gaia-X is, is a two-fold approach to um, a problem that we face in Europe and a problem that probably every company on the world faces right now. Um, on the on the on one layer, on the infrastructure layer, we combine um, infrastructure services like data storage, data processing in Europe, but it's it's open for participation even for companies that are not of European origin, as long as they uh, stick to our rules and adhere to our standards. Why do we, are we doing this? Because um, a lot of companies need to be able to transfer and process their data um, um, over borders. They need to transfer the data in China, they need to transfer the data in the United States, and they need to transfer the data in Europe, in Africa, wherever on the planet. But the thing is, as you are aware, decoupling is a huge problem for all these things. Because the decoupling from China and the United States brings us, especially in Europe, into a position where we can no longer be sure that our value chains are going to work worldwide. For example, if you take Huawei into, into account, Huawei was a thing that's being, um, a thing that's need to, needs to be negotiated between the United States government and the Chinese company or the Chinese government. But in the end, Huawei, they're setting it on the entity list, um, had a lot of impact even in European revenue chains, but we are actually not involved in that technological or in the political process. So the decoupling kind of emphasizes the necessity of European data infrastructure from that um, technological point of view. On the other hand, um, the, the project is called Gaia-X because it's actually, um, Gaia is the Greek goddess of fertility and growth. And this is what we need, what we need in Europe. We need an ecosystem of vital, um, um, vital and vibrant um, services, um, actually, we need, a, we need an ecosystem in Europe that's vital and vibrant, that connects the users and the suppliers of data services, of data applications, of AI, of blockchain, you name it. But the thing is, we need the infrastructure part first, because otherwise the ecosystem has no foundation where it can run. Can we just um, look at when the project began? Because I understand that the French government is also involved. So could you just tell us a little bit how this came about? So the project began in um, July 2018 when um, we in the German ministry thought it was necessary that Europe has something like the common action when it comes to AI and data. Because in Europe, um, the ecosystem and the economy, especially the data economy, is very diverse and it's very... Um, split into small parts. There's no huge company, there's no huge AI company, and there's no um, central physical ecosystem like Shenzhen, like um, the Silicon Valley, for example. So we thought it's necessary that we make to, to make um, impact and to have the scalability, we need a 
common European approach to AI and data. And this was actually the birth of the idea behind Gaia, because um, if we need something um, where data can be processed, where data can be exchanged, where innovative ideas uh, can happen, you need to have the infrastructure first. And as of now, most of that infrastructure, most of that data is um, coming from the, either the United States or from China. So we tackled that infrastructure level first with the goal of setting up that ecosystem later. And uh, the, the whole project got a lot of traction when we combined it with that uh, buzzword that you probably know, it's Industry 4.0. And the Industry 4.0 ecosystem within Germany is very strong, very powerful companies, Siemens, SAP, Bosch, Deutsche Telekom, for example, and when we got them involved into the process, we had um, a lot of more traction and we had some users and some providers on board from the beginning. A few months later, we presented um, the first draft of the project to the world. It was in October 2019. And where from then on, we were, we were perfectly aligned and perfectly sure that we need to bring that project. Oh, we have been, we have been sure from the very first moment that this needs to be a European project. So we have been very decisive on um, bringing this idea to the French and later to all European member states because we need that scalability, we need that ecosystem to be vibrant and if it's only a German ecosystem on some larger companies it's not going to work. And from then on, right now, it's a Franco-German project which we um, focus on bringing to the larger European landscape in 2020. And it's working very well. We are having a lot of workshops and um, onboarding with um, countries like Netherlands, Hungary, Italy, Spain, Poland, you name it. From the product itself, uh, what makes Gaia different from other cloud products? I would say that Gaia is not a cloud product. Gaia is, um, in the end, the next level of um, data infrastructure. Why is that so? Because it combines not only a lot of resources and a lot of storage capacities to one single hyperscaler, it's actually more the, um, a connection between the hyperscalers, between larger providers and smaller providers that speak the same language, that are interoperable, that um, have uh, way, way less um, 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 lock-in effects and that can interact with each other on the infrastructure level. And this means that even if you're a small company and you have a very, very, um, very, very elaborate um, application for AI, for example, you do not adhere yourself to one of the larger companies, to one of the larger hyperscalers right now. You can just be part of the ecosystem of Gaia X. And as the data, as the um, suppliers of Gaia X, uh, of the infrastructure in, within the framework of Gaia X are interoperable, you have access to all the data, all the companies. Whichever hyperscaler, whichever uh, storage solution they use, you can go um, work with companies that are using Microsoft. You can go with, to work with companies that are using Orange. You can go with companies that are using SAP or Atos, you name it. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this short message. 
subscribe to the Squawkbox Europe Express podcast. Join Steve, Karen and myself, Arabile, in unscripted and dynamic debate around the day's top stories with first and exclusive interviews of the best in business and global newsmakers, original points of view and instant analysis of the latest business news and key market themes. Get set for the day ahead. Squawkbox Europe Express podcast now available on Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. Now, this is not the first time the EU has attempted to create an alternative to existing uh, technology. Back in the mid to late 2000s, the EU tried to create a search engine called Quero. And it did eventually fail, Arjun, and that could be a risk for Gaia-X as well. I caught up with Dexter Thelion, he's a senior industry analyst at Fitch Solutions, to talk about some of the challenges that Gaia-X might face. Uh, so there was an ambition to do that. I think the European Commission pushed it for, for a while, so it, it received some European funding. I think the German left uh, fairly soon afterwards because they realized that it was very, very difficult to create that alternative because it didn't have the budget that a Google, even a Microsoft, you know, the, the big search engine would have or even Yahoo would have at that time. So it kind of uh, frustrated for a while and then basically after a while stopped because realized it couldn't get any traction in the market. And that's probably one of the potential issue with kind of Gaia-X in a sense that, you know, it's very good to have an ambition, but we're talking competing with major companies. So the, we will have the budget. I think the original budget, if I look at my numbers, is kind of fairly, fairly low. I think it's about, let me just find it, you know, yeah, the budget is 1.5 million euro a year, which is not very high. Uh, so you'll have to see in terms of good to ambition. I think they, they want more European countries to join. They want to look at specific sectors where data is more sensitive, but it's kind of difficult to compete against those guys. And we are actually seeing an example. So France is creating a health data hub. And uh, this week, the state council basically said that it could be using Microsoft as a made cloud provider, but only if the kind of data protection authority is kind of part of the system. So it kind of highlights that for the ambition in terms of having kind of a European solution, France, which is a major baker of GaiaX, is still looking, is still use, going to be using for its kind of first ambition of the Earth State Hub, uh, is going to be using uh, an American provider. So it's very difficult. There's a budget constraint. There's kind of a technical constraint. So it's not going to be easy to for, for that project to find its place, even if it's kind of a looking at narrow solutions in a sense that, you know, very, very sensitive data and not becoming kind of a full commercial player in a sense. In addition to having to compete with the big players in, in this market and regarding as well how small the budget is for Guy-X, what other challenges does this project have? Well, obviously, it'll need to be able to provide the right solutions in the market. You know, it's, it's all very well, uh, you know, Gaia-X existing, but if you can't compete with a Microsoft, an Amazon, or even an Alibaba, if you're a private company, are you going to be using that solution? So obviously, technical expertise is one major issue, and obviously, we'll have to see how well it does. I guess one of my worry is that, not so much my worry, but there might be a push in terms of, you know, potentially those countries saying to certain industries, you need to use Gaia-X for 
sovereignty reason, for kind of security reason, and this kind of level of tech protectionism what we've been seeing for, for quite a while, mostly between the US and China, but then Europe can come into that. So if you're looking at some kind of tech protectionism, maybe guys can scale up, but at the expense of other stuff. So there's some technical issues that's you know, what exactly are you going to be focusing on? I think healthcare is one area they're looking into uh, originally. There's a lot of manufacturing companies uh, involved in the project. I think there's 22 companies from France and Germany, so operators and kind of major players there. So healthcare energy, you know, smart living, public sector, all those kind of things are being looked at. Maybe it needs to focus on two or three key sectors where it's seeing that that data is really, really crucial and really, really sensitive and therefore... You know, we need that level of security that potentially the American guys or the Chinese guys can't give European European companies, but needs to be able to compete. So it's a, it's a if it's a, not as good a product as the other two, then it puts European company to some level at a disadvantage. So it needs to be able to compete in the market. It needs to be able to provide the same level of services that the other players can get on top of being you know more secure, more European, and more sovereign. It's the you know those elements are not enough in order to kind of uh, make sure that you have kind of a third, well, you become a kind of a, a viable provider for cloud and data infrastructure. So what does Marco Alexander Bright think about some of the criticisms? I started by asking whether it's too late to start a project like this, given the incumbents have been around for some time. Um, our answer would be twofold. The first is we are not too late because, as I said, it's the next level infrastructure. Right now, you have huge silos. And if you are part of the um, ecosystem of AWS, then you are bound to use AWS services. And if you want to go somewhere else, you need that multi-cloud approach. And it's highly expensive. It's high maintenance. And if you want to migrate your data, you have, uh, you have to go jump through a lot of loopholes to bring your data from supplier A to supplier B. So what we are offering is, as I said, the next level of infrastructure. It's interconnected and, and this is the second part, it um, um, has the, the jump from cloud to edge in mind at its, and it's very hard. We know that edge will be way more important than it is right now. And a lot of edge devices mean a lot of different systems. And if these systems talk, speak all the same language, then we achieve a way easier data we have we lay in the foundation we lay the foundations of a way easier data economy and innovation process. I think one of the other big concerns, and you mentioned it earlier, is that Europe doesn't necessarily have one of these big giant companies in one particular area. So, you know, you've got these big US and big Chinese companies pouring a lot of money into some of these uh, uh, technologies like edge computing and AI capabilities as well. So, will European firms be able to compete with that? The first thing is we don't need necessarily compete with that because um, a lot of the companies that you have in mind right now are already working within the Gaia X framework and they have good reason to do so. And as long as they are part of that network, we don't need to compete with them because they are just part of the larger ecosystem. If you say that we have already lost that, that, that competition on the AI field, I wouldn't necessarily agree because a lot of the companies right now that have huge exp uh, expenditures on, on AI are the American companies, obviously. But when it comes to the Internet of Things, when it comes to edge, I think especially the European economy and especially the German economy, because it is so driven by industry, they have, they have their innovative advantages there. 
And if we take that leap from cloud to edge into account, I think our position within the European Union and especially in Germany, France, Italy, Spain and the larger companies is way better than it was before. But again, this is not a competition. We invite um, the, the larger companies um, in the United States, for example, to join the process as long as they adhere to our standards and our rules. Um, I just want to ask you about the financial resources, though. I understand that the capacity that Gaia has at this stage um, is the budget is quite small, much, much smaller than, than other um, providers. So I was just wondering, how can you be fast enough? How can you deliver the product? How can you essentially compete in the market when the financial resources are so limited? It's the financial resources of Gaia X itself are not important. Why is that so? Because the Gaia X framework and the Gaia X entity has only the responsibilities to make that ecosystem work, to negotiate um, the standards, to negotiate the the rules, and to provide um, standardized um, APIs, for example, and software that to make the system run. The investments to um, make cloud computing services, AI services, data services and applications competitive, that's to be done by the companies. So if you um, take, for example, the 1.5 billion that Hyperscaler per month invests into their, into their systems and into research, and then on the other hand, you take the 1.5 million that Gaia-X needs right now, this is not going to work. What you need to compare, if you want to compare it like that, but this again, it's from our point of view, it's not competition. If you need, if you want to com compare something, then you need to compare this 1.5 billion to whatever the European and worldwide ecosystem from Japan, from South Korea, and maybe from the US is going to spend on AI data, storage solutions, processing, and all the other things. As of now, the lack of scalability didn't make these investments pay off because obviously the larger companies are way more profitable and they have way easier leverage on the prices. But if Gaia-X combines all these services into one ecosystem and it does not matter which, um, which provider you're using, then all of a sudden it pays off to invest even a small amount of money if, you're, if you have a highly specialized software or um, data application, because right now you jump into a huge market that's interconnected and that's part of a weapon ecosystem. How will you uh, uh, guarantee the performance of the systems you're putting in place here? You know, hyperscalers have developed the tech to suit business needs. So how are you going to make sure that the technology you will be providing will be uh, suitable for businesses, particularly as you're bringing together a number of different players, getting them to work together um, and, and having to integrate that as well? I think there is a misunderstanding here. Not every company in the Gaia X framework needs to do the same things. Um, it's just that if we set standards for cloud, um, um, for cloud infrastructures and for edge infrastructures, for example, then the companies that want to be part of the ecosystem need to adhere, need to, adhere to these standards. But Gaia X itself does not, uh, is not in the responsibility to provide uh, the technological solutions for these standards. This is something that the companies need to do themselves. And um, GaiaX will check whether they are up to the task and whether they uh, have um, whether they uh, fulfill these standards. But it's not GaiaX's responsibility to make them to make them work. It's in the same it's the same of cybersecurity. Right now, cybersecurity lies within the responsibilities of the companies. 
If you have a contract with um, OVH, which is the largest European provider, then OVH, it's a French company, they need to make sure that their product is cyber secure. It's not going to act that makes them cyber secure in the, in the future. OVH still needs to do this themselves, but GaiaX will say, okay, if you want to be part of the ecosystem, you need to be cyber secure and you will show that with you by standard ABCD. So it's certainly an ambitious project here from Europe. I think the whole issue does bring up a lot of questions, perhaps for another discussion though, about the fragmentation of technology globally and also data silos. There is this idea that ecosystems are developing, separate ecosystems are developing, a US one and a China one. And where does Europe stand in all of that? And what does the future look like in this world? And lots of questions as well about protectionism here. So what we are seeing globally is at times borders are being put up around technology. And it is interesting to see that the US has actually floated the idea of banning the Chinese app TikTok. Absolutely, Sylvia. And I think this GaiaRx project speaks to a lot of those topics there. Um, Sylvia, great to have you on this podcast. We've got to wrap it up for now. No problem. My pleasure, Arjun. Thank you so much. Beyond the Valley listeners out there, do you have any thoughts on this topic? Let us know. I'm on Twitter at Arjun Karpal. And I'm at Sylvia underscore Amaro. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Beyond the Valley.